You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to another of our Race in America series at the Washington Post Live. I'm Akila Johnson, a national reporter here at the Post. Juneteenth has been celebrated for generations in Texas. My guest today is using public art to take its history nationwide. Joining me now is Absolute Equality founder, Reginald Adams. Reginald, welcome to Washington Post Live. Glad to be here with you. Thank you so much. We are glad to have you. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, so why don't we start at the beginning? Why don't you help explain to us what absolute, where absolute equality came from? Absolute equality, the mural, uh, came from a phone call from a group of concerned citizens in Galveston, Texas, uh, the Juneteenth Legacy Project, they call themselves. And it was in the fall of 2020 that they reached out and asked if I was interested in bringing to life the story of Juneteenth through a mural, uh, through public art. And, you know, short answer was absolutely yes. And it was in the spring of that year, 2021, where a team of artists were able to bring this 5,000 square foot mural to life, really telling the story of 500 years of Juneteenth's history and heritage with Galveston being the birthplace and the backdrop for this story. And so that's the history of, of, of of this initiative. Now talk to us about the name, Absolute Equality. What's the significance of that name and how did you guys land on that? Sure, so in Ju on June 19, 1865, uh, a soldier named Major Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston uh, by the Port of New Orleans with thousands of Black Union soldiers. And essentially his, uh, his uh, main agenda was to enforce martial law and to uh, make a decree from a series of general orders, one of which was General Order Number Three, and it was in that document where these words really resonated with me, where the almost 250,000 enslaved blacks in Texas at that time uh, were provided access to absolute equality of freedom to their rights and property, and it was such a powerful term that we decided to uh, basically coin that as the a capstone title of our National Juneteenth Mural Project. And that was the impetus of where we were able to get absolute equality from. You know, it's so fascinating because I'm familiar with Juneteenth, but I was not familiar with General Order Number 3. So I'm just going to read it because I was moved by it. And you touched on it when you were discussing, you know, where the name come from. It says, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights, rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. I mean, do those words still resonate with you the same when you hear them today as they did when you all were, were thinking about this initiative? Absolutely. And even more so now that we have seen this story of Juneteenth be played out in cities across America through the arts and how each one of these locations and each one of these artists that we've been fortunate to work with have translated what absolute equality means to them from a very localized lens. And so it means more to me now than it than it ever has. So, you know, 
you jumped ahead. We're going to get to the cities, how, how, the, how this initiative has grown. But let's start with the original absolute equality mural. Describe that for us. Talk to us a little bit about that. So the original absolute equality mural, uh, it's on the wall of once, what was once known as the old Galveston Square. Uh, it's essentially a, a hundred plus year old mercantile building right in the heart of downtown Galveston. It's located at uh, 22nd and Strand. And the Strand is like the main street of downtown Galveston. And so therein lies this uh, 40 foot tall, 125 foot long wall that became our canvas for the original Absolute Equality mural. Uh, but what really makes this location and this canvas so important is that the mural faces a parking lot that was once the Osterman Building, and the Osterman Building was the headquarters for the Union Army back in 1865. So we're talking about literally ground zero for this very pivotal and historic moment in time where all Texans were given their freedom and emancipation. And it was over a period of three months that this team of artists that I was very fortunate to lead was able to basically bring this mural to life with over 325 gallons of paint over the course of a few months. And it was such a beautiful moment to see this entire story come together and then ultimately be dedicated just three days after President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris announced Juneteenth as a federal holiday. So how did you guys come up with the original design, if you don't mind me sneaking that in? It's such a, there's, it's such a beautiful picture. And Mira, I'm wondering kind of what was the, the impetus and the inspiration for the design that we see on the wall today? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so my team, we basically embedded ourselves in Galveston over the period of that, that three months that we were there painting the mural. And during that three months, and even really leading up to it, it was some very intense and very uh, interesting conversations with local historians, with local activists, community leaders, some elders, uh, business leaders, and just you know folks who understood and, and knew the story of Juneteenth much better than we had. And so it was, it was basically doing a series of uh, learn and listening parties where we were gathering information, collecting historical data, collecting old news articles, and that was our uh, toolkit to bring to life this story that basically spans 500 years of Galveston's role in the heritage of Juneteenth. And, and so explain what we're looking at, explain what we see, like how do you take all of these conversations and then and then translate it to this image? Explain the image to me. So, so now you want me to give all of my trade secrets away, but I'll, I do, I'll I do. Yes, I'll indulge. So the, the scene that you're looking at actually was on the day of the dedication, there was a huge celebration. Uh, literally thousands of people from all over the world descended upon Galveston, Texas to celebrate not only the mural, but Galveston being the birthplace of Juneteenth. But this one, this woman who's uh, dancing uh, in praise is standing before the mural and in a particular scene where Major Granger is signing uh, the general orders and behind him are the black Union soldiers that accompanied him from the port of New Orleans that essentially were here to enforce martial law to make sure that those quarter of a million uh, black Texans would receive their freedom uh, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And so that's just one of a series of scenes that helped tell that story of Juneteenth and where we hope to lead into the future as we continue to pursue a life of absolute equality. And so 
That is in Galveston. And as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, this initiative has grown to multiple cities, right? So we're now, there are murals in Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, just to name a few. How did it expand and why did it expand from Galveston? Well, I, I knew from just the fanfare and all the attention that the mural in Galveston had attracted and the fact that this is now a national holiday because prior to 2021, uh, Texas was among a few states that celebrated Juneteenth as official state holidays. But with the declaration of Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday, I realized this isn't going anywhere. And while Galveston plays a really central part in this story, there are communities and individuals and freedom fighters around the country that have fought for the freedom and the equality of people around the country. And I wanted to see what that would look like through the lens of public artists and through those local geographic interests. And so we initially set out in 2022 to paint 10 murals. We ended up painting two, one in Shreveport, Louisiana, thanks to Canadian Baylor, a phenomenal artist that was part of the original team. And then we painted one in Miami, uh, thanks to Jason Jones. And it was the mural in Miami that really caught the attention of Capital One our primary sponsor. And then they came back in 2022 and said, hey, Reginald, uh, we love the idea. We'd love to see this expand. We'll go wherever you can. And it was in those six cities that you mentioned, Houston, Dallas, Detroit, Chicago, Chicago, Philadelphia, and then back again in Miami, where we have brought to life the story of Juneteenth and helped celebrate that story of freedom and emancipation uh, with the support of some really amazing public artists around the country. Now, how did you how did you select those cities? How did like what did you throw? Did you pull names out of a hat or is there something particular no. and specific about the freedom fights in That's, those cities that made you want to go there? Great question. I, I Googled the top 10 media markets in America and, okay. I, you know, just really being intentional. It's like we wanted to make sure this wasn't the tree falling in the forest and no one could hear it. Right. And so we I understood that if we could bring these stories to life in the biggest markets in the country, then we would get the type of attention that I think Juneteenth uh, duly deserves. And so that was really the strategy. And so those initial 10 cities really lined up and aligned to the 10 largest media markets in the country. And that just became our target. Then it was a matter of, could we get the four key ingredients to a successful community mural project? One are the resources. And thanks to Capital One, we were able to bring those resources to the table. Second was finding community partners, those organizations that would embrace the work and help us connect to those local stories. The third element was a wall. We have to have a canvas. And then finally, but most importantly, was the right artist who could carry out that work. And so with those four elements, we had what we needed to bring these stories to life in each one of these cities. Now, how did the, how did the, the murals, these new murals, how do they differ from the original mural in Galveston? Well, the original mural in Galveston is very much about the Galveston story. You have Granger, uh, who was, you know, coming there in 1865 with soldiers. Uh, you have Estevanico, who was uh, a Moorish uh, North African navigator enslaved by the Spanish government that's a part of that mural. He gets recognized as one of the first North Africans in the Americas uh, coming to Galveston by shipwreck in 1528. Uh, we have uh, Harriet Tubman, who's recognized as the head of the Underground Railroad, but many people don't know the Underground Railroad ran south as well as north because it was 
easier and quicker for Texans escaping slavery to go south into Mexico, where uh, slavery had been abolished since 1820. And then you have the Civil War and those elements that make up all the things that made Juneteenth a possibility. But I knew that story wouldn't necessarily resonate in every one of these cities because each of these cities has their own freedom fighters and their own uh, social justice warriors. And so I thought it would be important to make sure that those personal geographic uh, personalities and those uh, individuals who played a really key part in, in what was going on in Miami during that time and what was happening in Detroit and in Philadelphia could also come to light and really make the story very localized even though we're all celebrating this era in America where Texans, as well as other enslaved Blacks, were receiving their emancipation. You know, it's interesting. Let's, let's talk about another era in America, and that is the current era that we are in. And as we begin to recontextualize and think about history and how our understanding of a more complete and comprehensive history um, has kind of been a complex issue. And, you know, complex is a nice way to say it, I think, here in um, recent years. How do you think these, these murals kind of contribute to our understanding of history? Well, this is a very complex time. Um, there's a lot of division in our country between uh, ethnicities and races. And what I hope these murals will do is create conversations around uh, what was once a very dark era of American history, but also shine light on uh, the, the idea of, of absolute equality, this idea of a more perfect union where uh, despite your ethnic or racial makeup, you have uh, access to the same opportunities in terms of education and economic development. And so I hope that these murals become really a point of inspiration, uh, a conversation starter, and also an opportunity for our children to learn about aspects of history that sometimes get left out of our traditional history books and the general context in which sometimes history is taught. And so we are painting uh, these pictures across the country as part of a continuum of artists that are using uh, the public realm as a storytelling environment, much like the Egyptians did with hieroglyphics. And hopefully thousands of years from now, these artworks will be able to tell a story around what was important to us at this time in American history. Mm. You know, Juneteenth Legacy Project co-chair Sam Collins said, absolute equality is not about equal results, but about creating a society that supports all to become their, their very best selves to benefit a collective community. In the years since the initiative was founded, how have the artists been doing this work? So how have well, the artists I mean, I, in your initiative been doing this work? Well, I can certainly speak for myself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this opportunity in Galveston spearheaded this vision of taking the, the story of Juneteenth across the country. And this year we will be dedicating uh, 10 new murals, five in Houston alone, but five more in five different cities across the country. Um, one of the artists from the initial team, Kadavian Baylor, was the driver of the mural in Shreveport, Louisiana. And that project has now uh, kicked off a very dynamic uh, public art campaign for himself in his hometown. Uh, one of the artists, Samson Bimbo Adenuba, who was part of that original team, he and I have co-illustrated a Juneteenth children's book written by author Van Garrett. That book has now hit the bookstores and can be found everywhere books are sold. 
It's a great way to extend the story of Juneteenth into the hands of our youth. Uh, there's one of the artists, Dantrell Bonet Boone, who's a part of this team that worked on the mural here in Houston. And so each of us in our own way have continued uh, carrying forth the torch of Juneteenth. And we'll continue to use the arts, which is our tool, to tell this story and help raise awareness on the importance of this really important pivotal moment in American history. You know, you've talked a lot about community and local artists and this kind of collective and collaborative spirit that comes with these these murals and this initiative. How do you get local artists? Where do you find these folks to kind of help breathe life into this to this effort of yours? Yeah, this is a good question, because there while there are lots of very talented artists across the country and in Houston, um, there's not a lot of artists that really want to work with community. And that becomes a, a part of the ethos of my creative practice. I'd like to say I put the public in public art. I'm very interested in the idea of taking non-artists and giving them, and let me say better yet, empowering them to not become an artist, but to embrace their creativity. So by giving them an opportunity to work on these murals, when we step away and they're left with work in their own community, they're gonna take care of this work. They're gonna own it. They're gonna make sure these works are not vandalized. They're gonna make sure that the story about how this work came about is told. And so it's really important that when I reach out to artists, I'm not just looking for people who paint really well or who are very articulate about telling their story, but even more importantly, artists who embrace working alongside other artists and non-artists alike, because it's that magic that really makes these projects so much more meaningful to not just the individuals, uh, the individual artists, but also to the communities that these artworks will serve. It looks like there's a bit of a multi-generational aspect to it. You know, we just showed some images of um, of artists working on this in, in various places. Is that important? Do you try to kind of bring in novices or an educational component to it? Talk to us a little bit about the people who are actually doing this work. Sure. I mean, I really believe that you know, uh, whether you're a child or a child at heart, uh, there's this creative spirit that we get to tap into. I'd like to say I was the little boy who loved to draw who never grew up. And I've been blessed my entire life to be able to do what I love. And so I try to extend that same joy and passion for art and creativity to all ages of folks. So when you come into the studio for one of our open studio workshops, you're gonna see young children, you're gonna see some of our seniors and elders and really everyone in between. And when I step back and get to look at the footage and the photographs, it just warms my heart to see this multi-generational connection that happens around really uh, an issue that we all should be celebrating, which is our own freedom and emancipation because there should be no boundaries on what age you are to, to be free or to be emancipated. And this work really embodies that. So that's why the multi-generational approach is really important to my work and to my practice. And so what's next? How do we expand this? How do we take this further? How, how do you take it further? Let me say, I'm putting myself in, in the project, right? Yeah. Like, how do you take this further? <laughs> well, hopefully one day work with us on a mural, maybe in the, in the DC area. Uh, but what's next really is looking at other cities across the country, thanks in part to this type of coverage and exposure and to the support of other uh, donors and contributors. Uh, we are now looking at 10 new cities for 2024. That list could grow as this news gets out and people see what's happening. And whether it's through the Absolute Equality Juneteenth Mural Project 
or communities that just want to celebrate Juneteenth through the arts. We hope that we inspire other communities and other artists to really tell that story from a localized lens of what Juneteenth means to them. And we'll continue doing this work until we run out of walls or until the holiday stops. And I don't think we're gonna do either or soon. So it looks like we have uh, some work ahead of us. Now, did you grow up celebrating Juneteenth? I did not grow up celebrating Juneteenth. I, I grew up in the Southwest, uh, was born in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and we moved around the Midwest quite a bit. And so it wasn't until I moved to Houston in the early 90s that I even heard about Juneteenth. And even then, I didn't celebrate it. It really wasn't until the last two to three years that I have actually celebrated Juneteenth as I began to understand what the celebration was all about. And now, you know, I can't imagine not celebrating Juneteenth, especially now that it falls on the same weekend that Father's Day falls on. So I get to celebrate this year, Juneteenth and Father's Day with my two boys, Zenith Adams and Jelani Adams in Miami as we dedicate their Juneteenth mural and have a big celebration that the city of Miami is putting on in collaboration with our mural project. So I want to ask you one final question. Happy Father, happy soon to be Father's Day, shall we say. Let yes. me put some respect <laughs> on that first before I move on. <laughs> and let me ask you, you one kind of closing thought. Um, how do you think celebrating Juneteenth has changed or will change since it's now a federal holiday? I think Juneteenth will continue to evolve as more people wake up to know and understand what Juneteenth is about. Uh, there's going to be the commercialization of Juneteenth because that's, you know, that's what we do in America. We, we commercialize and capitalize on just about anything. Uh, but then I hope that Juneteenth becomes a more embraced holiday, not just for the Black community, but for all communities because it marks that one moment in American history that every American was free. And during that window, whether it was in Galveston or whether it was in Kentucky or Missouri or Delaware, which didn't get the news or didn't um, release their enslaved blacks until December of 1865, what Juneteenth I hope becomes is a window of time where we truly embrace freedom and emancipation for all Americans. Absolutely. And unfortunately, like we are just out of time, so we will have to leave it there. Reginald Adams, thank you so much for joining me and for joining the Washington Post Live audience today. And thank you for the opportunity. Cheers to freedom for everyone and happy Juneteenth. Same to you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.